Welcome and thank you for joining us today on Friend of God, brought to you by Friendship Baptist Church in Sturges, Mississippi. It is our goal to take the Word of God to as many people as possible. We pray that you not only enjoy today's message, but more importantly, we hope and pray that it changes your heart and moves all of us to life change and action. God bless and enjoy. This morning we're looking at this passage from 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 15 through 17. If you've got a copy of God's Word, go ahead and make your way there. If you are new to us, there should be a Bible in the pew in front of you or down the pew from you that you can grab onto if you didn't bring a Bible or open up your phone to the app kind of thing. So there was a quote that came as I looked through the study of encouragement this week, which I believe is something that is so enveloped in what we need right now that we cannot depart from it. Eric Sauer said this, if you wish to be disappointed, look to others. If you wish to be downhearted, look to yourself. If you wish to be encouraged, look upon Jesus Christ. And I believe that's really true because the times and the the ways that we live now, it's easy to get downtrodden, it's easy to get discouraged, it's easy to hear something or see something that, that really makes us blue. It's hard to get through some of those kind of things that just so easily get our mind kind of wrapped up in that time. But if we look upon Christ, we're always encouraged because as we see, our ever-present help comes from the Lord. And I loved what the kids said this morning, and maybe some of you might have just passed through what was said. When the light came on, one of them said what? Jesus. And I thought that was just so remarkable that as he was talking and delivering one sermon, God was delivering another sermon. As he was sharing about the love of God and and the light that comes into the world, we understand Jesus is that light. And I just... I just thought that was very profound, and it was very much the idea that sometimes we think that kids don't listen, or sometimes we think adults don't listen, or sometimes we think that things aren't making its way through, but I tell you, there's a number of kids, and there's a number of adults this past week that the light came on in their lives, and they understood who Christ was for the very first time, and And to me, that's an encouragement. It would also be an encouragement for you that all of the praying and all of the the work that you've done on behalf of the Lord is coming to fruition in that. But I truly believe that many of us this morning are in a season of life where we need encouragement. We need encouragement throughout. But there are many of us this morning that are in severe need of encouragement because of the things we're going through, because of the things we've been through, Because of some of the things which we still hold on to. But I believe and I want to argue this morning to a degree. That we can gain encouragement by giving encouragement to others. So as I encourage others. They encourage others. Others encourage others. But it encourages me when I see other people doing better. It encourages me when I see others live a godly life. It encourages me when I see others pray. It encourages me when I see God at work in someone's life, even when they might not see it quite yet. It encourages me when I see glimpses of light in a dark world. It encourages me in that way. 
And I believe that's a cycle that we need to be a part of. The Bible calls this word for encouragement, exhortation, or the act of earnestly supporting or encouraging is a response of action. So we, as believers in Christ, have the hope of God in our lives, and we are meant to be encouragers to others around us. That means that we understand that everyone is going through something. Everyone's dealing with a battle, a setback, a hardship, spiritual warfare. They're dealing with illness. They're dealing with sorrow or loss. They're dealing with so many great things too as well. But everyone needs encouragement and they need the biblical encouragement. And I, and I recall there were seasons of my life where I had people that would tell me a piece of scripture or pray over me the word of God or or just say, hey, I was thinking about you and this verse came to my mind and I just thought I needed to call you. And maybe they weren't even aware of what was going on in my spiritual walk or what I was walking through or how much I was dealing with. But it was a word from God through them because they were very encouraged by the word of God. And so for someone else, they might say, well, why am I reading the things that I'm reading? But God says it's never lost when we spend time with him, there's always a meaning and a reason behind it. And encouragement is something that we can all participate in. Encouragement also is defined as giving someone confidence and courage to do something. Confidence and courage. Oftentimes we have a measure of trepidation in what we do, right? We say, well, should I do something? Should I do this? Am I able to do this? Should I do what I feel like I need to do? But it's the encouragement of God that says, I have put all these things before you and have given you a reason and a purpose to do the things that I've called you to do. And I'm going to equip you to do those things. See, Scripture encourages us, believers, to trust in God and rely on the enabling of the Holy Spirit. And the truth of the matter is, in all the things that we have to do and all the things we're led to do, it's the power of the Holy Spirit which gets us through that, right? And there are times in which we can't see everything at work or everything that's going on or everything that God is doing. And we are reminded more in our lives of the troubles that we have. And I love the, the theme of surrounded because there's times which we feel like the difficulties of our life surround us. And it can almost seem as difficult or as hard, as arduous as trying to traverse a mountain top with no equipment, no training. But there is a way that I want to share with you this morning that we need to look. Now, throughout the Bible, there's a statement that is made. Look up, right? When you and I and when those in the biblical text are given the the bad news or difficult news or they're surrounded or they're going through battle or they're dealing with life's troubles, they're told to look up where their present help comes from. They're told to look up to the heavens. They're told to look not at their present circumstances, not at their battle that in, in, ensues them or comes at them, not at the sin that easily entangles them, but look up at a God who can. And it's not about us living a battle-free life, but it's when we go through trials, we understand where our present help comes from. And there are times where we go through things, but He will not let it overtake us. And that's what I'm reminded of through these scriptures. He will not let us be overtaken. 
So 2 Kings, as we see in 2 Kings chapter 6, there's a lot going on in the life of Elisha. In the life of Elisha, there's a great force. The king of Syria is trying to seize him. So as we look into these passages this morning, we notice that he was in Dothan, which is not far from Samaria. So the king sent a great host with Naaman. He sent a great host to overtake him. He sent such a large army to overtake one man of God that is doing extraordinary measures for God. But as we're so easily reminded, you and I don't walk through life alone. So there's always people with us. So we notice in this story here today that he also has a servant right there with him. Now, the way that I see the servant acting, the servant may not be able to fully grasp or understand everything that's at work going on around. And so the servant is there to keep watch. The servant is there to keep his master informed. The servant is there to to show the master when danger is arising. So you can imagine Elisha having been aware of, of David, the story of David and the plight of David and how Others were sent to overtake David. And who provided for David? The Lord provided for David in such a mighty and a great way. Well, now this king of Syria is sending all of these troops to amass around Elisha. All those with him, his servant goes out, comes back, and his servant is saying, look, Things do not look great. Things do not look like we can actually win this. The king has sent his his army to amass around you. And I don't think we're going to make it out of here alive. So the servant was seeing one thing. And Elisha was seeing another thing. When you and I face the battles that we often face, or maybe we're in this morning. We don't need to look to the present trouble that might be surrounding us. We need to look to the God within us that is going to deliver us in the midst of what seems like an impossible situation because our God does that. And that's where the trust in a God that can, that Elisha had, was so key and important, right? What Elisha had said is is that Elisha was going to trust that the Lord had a distinct plan for his life and was going to deliver him. And what the servant didn't understand about the great force that was around was this, is that God was with them. So the fight which the prophet's servant was in is he perceived that city surrounded by the Syrians. And what he thought as he was there was great fear. He was fearful. Have you ever been in a point in your life where you are more afraid of what is present and in front of you than anything else? And maybe that's what sometimes we allow for ourselves to speak louder than it ought to. I only imagine that as the servant was going through the day, that maybe he heard the noise of soldiers. And there he looked out and saw all of this encompassing that city. And he believed in his fear that they were overtaken. 
as he came to his master, I can only imagine that this servant was probably shaking, right? As he told his master of all the things that were about to happen, because he was assured in his mind that no earthly man can overtake this. And his master spoke very quietly back to him, telling him of the protection that they had. That the angels and the legions of angels and the regiments of angels would not allow for this to happen. So what are you and I to do about our response? How are we to open our eyes and see that which is around us? It's my hope this day as we look at these very, very few and poignant passages in this book of 2 Kings that you understand the capacity and the ability of God to deliver you from wherever you might feel surrounded this morning. And as the servant is talking to him today, as we see in this passage, he prays for his eyes to be opened. And here's the deal. I pray for your eyes and my eyes to be open to all that God is doing around us. And we pray for those things. And likewise, we pray for him to silence our fears. So 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15 says, Now when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the great city, circling the city. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And you and I look at that and say, If someone doesn't have the confidence, the quiet confidence that God is with them, then you can imagine him wringing his hands in worry and in fear. What are we going to do? I'm certain that we cannot overcome. The, the question and the answer begins to say there's more with them than with us. And if you are one of those to say, I can do the math in my head. There's more of them than there is of us. What are we going to do? So Elisha wanted to encourage his servant by showing him what only he could see. The biblical word of consolation comes to mind here. So Elisha was resting in God's omnipotence. Omnipotence. That means that God is in all control. God is all knowing and God is going to handle this situation. What Elisha could see is what I hope that you see this morning is that whenever you are in need of consolation, that he is the one who comforts you. That he is the one that brings relief and affliction. St. Augustine said it this way. Augustine was once accosted by a heathen who was, who was showing him his idol and said, Here is my God and where is thine? Augustine replied, I cannot show you my God, not because there is no God to show, but because you have no eyes to see him. 2 Kings 6, 16. This is where it really gets deeper into this. So he answered, Elisha did, said, do not fear for those who are, who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, I only can think about things in the, in the light of the story. And I think about his attendant or his servant saying, who is with us? You know, I, in my mind, he is oblivious to the fact of God is with us. 
and doesn't see the host that Elisha sees. See, Elisha had spent time with the Lord. Elisha had been through some fires in life where he understood the power of God. Elisha had, had observed those who came before him and he was learned in that experience. But I hope that as we see this attendance eyes open, that our eyes might be open this morning. And what our plea should be, should be his. Open our eyes, Lord, this day. So let's see what he's saying here in verse 17. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray that his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around. Now, this is an extraordinary thing that happened to this servant, this attendant. His eyes were open to something that he didn't see. And maybe sometimes we can't always see what's going on. What God has written for the situation we are in. But we do not have a God who is absent. Or who is not present in our time of need. We do not have a God who leaves us when we're surrounded and says good luck. He says, I see your present troubles. And I want you to rely on me for all that you'll need in these present troubles. I see the army around you and I'm not going to leave you. Trust that I have a plan. I see the sickness, the hardship, the situation which seems insurmountable. And I see where you are, but I'm not going to leave you and I never have. And the word of God encourages us today that while we look at present struggles, we need to be looking at the Lord and what He can do. What I'm comforted with this morning is the fact that God has never let us down, never left us, never forsaken us, no matter what we're going through. God has always been present. And sometimes I believe we've become conditioned to see the impossible and see the present and see the troubles and see the difficulties and see the sickness and see the sorrows and see all of the hardships we have. Instead of seeing what is possible with God in us. See, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in us is greater than our present circumstances and troubles that we have. Amen? God is greater. I love that bumper sticker. God is greater. And somebody would always tell me God is greater than what? God is greater. Whatever comes after that, we don't need to worry about. God is greater. And maybe that's something we can adopt in our own life when we feel surrounded by life circumstances and when we deal with spiritual battles. Because I would argue that most of the things that we deal with in life are spiritual battles in disguise. They're in the midst of a sickness, a hardship, a setback, a job loss, a difficulty. A, a, it's just so many things that we could list on this day. But as we feel like those things are going on, y'all, we don't need to have spiritual amnesia. We need to look to the Lord's providential abilities wherever we go in life. You know, I think about the statement often said in Scripture, as we go, we are to tell people about the Lord. As we go, we are to help others grow in Christ. As we go, I believe we are to look up. Not in our present circumstances, not in our present troubles, and not at the difficulties which seem so big. See, I 
believe, and I hope you do too, that God is at work in the smallest of details. In the smallest of details. Now, how many of you have ever seen the smallest of insects or the smallest of things in life? And you said, well, if God cared about them and, and put his pen and stroke and, and created all of them, then how much more does he care about me? Well, we've seen others in the power of God work. How much more does God care about me? But if we're really honest, sometimes we get that spiritual amnesia and we forget the power of God within us is greater than that which surrounds us. And so we start worrying about things which we ought not worry about, right? We start worrying about those things which we are to turn over to God. We start seeing things as bigger than they are because we forget that God in us is bigger than the situations we are facing. And, and it was Elijah that was not worried about what was going on. Because he saw the Lord and he saw the chariots and he saw the horses and he saw the might of God and he saw everything at hand. And he said, I don't think that God is going to allow me to be overtaken because he is greater than the army which is around me. And my present hope is in him. And so as we go in this life, there's there's many different encouragements. All we have to do is look out there. One such encouragement that wrote deeply about discipleship and many other things was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He said, God does not give us everything we want, but he does fulfill his promises, leading us along the best and straightest paths to himself. The paths to himself. The Lord leads us to him so that we realize in him these things are possible. Blaise Pascal said this, there's enough light for those who only desire to see and enough obscurity for those who have a contrary disposition. So in other words, we can look in this life and see the light of God, or we can look in this life and allow for darkness to overtake us. But we do have a choice where we place our heart and mind. Throughout Scripture, encouraging words come to us. Not just in 2 Kings as we look at being surrounded, but, but also throughout the Bible. Acts 4, 36 and 37 says we have different gifts according to the grace He's given us. If a man's gift is encouraging, let him encourage. Romans 12, 6 and 8 says, Let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. But we see as well, as we look to chapter 10 of this scripture verse here, it says, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new living way, which he inaugurated to us through the veil that is flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from, with an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembly together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So not only are we praying for our eyes to be opened, but we are praying for those around us for their eyes to be opened as well. As we begin to look 
In chapter 3, verse 13, in, in, the, in the Gospels, it says, Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed, and do not fear their intimidation, and do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, as always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks of you for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence, and keep a good conscience that in everything which you are slandered, that those who revile you, your good behavior in Christ will put, be put to shame. For it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right than for doing what is wrong. For Christ also died for sins once and for all, just as the unjust, just and the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. As we are all gathered this morning, maybe, maybe for us, it takes times like these where we look at scripture for our eyes to be opened. For, our, for all of the things in our lives to be pulled to the side. That's what I think is so great about coming to church and being present here. Is that we take out some of the distractions which so easily come before us. We take those and set them to the side and say, I want to be where the Lord is. So maybe you were here this morning and you felt the Lord's tugging at your hearts to come to the altar this morning. Just to thank God for what you see that maybe you couldn't previously see because you had your eyes on the army that was surrounding you. Maybe that's where you are this morning. As you've seen in this passage in 2 Kings and others, that maybe that which has brought fear as it starts to leave, it's possible that you might have the audacity to do what you know God has wanted you to do in life. Maybe you're here and you've been afraid, but God has called you to a, a mission field. God has called you to a, a vocation that you, maybe you just thought, well, maybe I can do better over here because that's what I'm comfortable with. But that's not where God wants you to be. Maybe God has always wanted you to do something as a parent and pray with the kids and lead them through a Bible study and lead them through a time of prayer. And maybe that's not what you've done in the past, but you know you need to do better today. All of these things... That Elisha said and others said, take faith and they take courage, don't they? Faith and courage. But more than that, they take the power of the Holy Spirit to do these things. Quite possibly, many of us have gathered here this morning. And we need the assurance of salvation in God. I heard somebody tell me one time, and the two words are no, K-N-O-W, and no is an N-O. But they said, no God, no hope. No God, no hope. Think about that. Without God, we have no hope. Without God, we have no, nothing to current and deal with our present fears. And without God, we might feel like we're easily surrounded. But we know there's a hope in Jesus Christ. And I invite you to make that hope known in your life today. If you were here and you need to know Jesus as Lord and Savior there's no present day better than the day that is ahead of you today. For those feeling like maybe you've been here for a while and you feel the nudge to join friendship, we're here as well. As we come in this moment of invitation, it is primarily a way that you can respond to the Lord. Because I believe this is a fueling station for what God's going to do out there in the world. We come to church to get filled up 
that we might go out in the world and tackle the problems that are ahead of us. We come to church to get revived and recharged and, and feel like God has spoken to us so that we might go out. So whatever you're dealing with this morning, God's word says bring it. Bring it to him and you will find rest. Bring it to him, you who are heavy laden. Bring it to him, you who are fearful. Bring it to him, all of you who are dealing with life's difficulties. Bring it to him if you feel like you cannot traverse the mountain that's ahead of you. Bring it to him when you feel surrounded in the midst of a what seems hopeless situation. Bring it to him. This morning, my charge to you is to bring it to him. To raise your head to see where your help comes from. And if you feel surrounded today, your present hope is in Jesus Christ. And that's my hope that you have this morning. Join me in standing. Father God, we come. Father, we come just as we are, God. We come just as difficult as life has been, as burdensome as life has been, as hard as life has been, as fearful as we have been. Father, we're reminded of the power of the Holy Spirit which resides in us. Every one of us who are called children of God, we look to you. Father God, we know that presently we can't do anything about our lives, our situations, our friends, our friendships. But God, you can do immeasurably more than we can ever understand or fathom. And Father, while we might see the situation more than we ought to and be so engrossed in it. Father, I pray that we raise our eyes and our head to the heavens. And know that our present help comes from you, Lord. Father God, I pray in this time that you open our eyes to those areas in our lives where we need to have more of you, God. That we need to surrender to you, God. That you might redeem all of us. That we might be all on board for serving you. Father God, I pray this morning if there's someone that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, God. That you open their eyes as well to your love, to your mercy, to your grace that's beyond measure. Father God, you say call on you and you will save us. So Father, we are calling, we are begging, we are pleading this morning. Father God, we thank you for the light which Jesus brought into our lives. The present hope in the midst of danger. That no hardship will ever overtake us, God. And God, that quiet confidence and faith in you is what helps us through the days ahead. Father God, I pray as we come into this moment of invitation, God. Just make us be ones that pursue after your own heart, God. And God, just help us to see you in the smallest of details in the battles that we're in. It's in your name we do pray. Amen. Thank you for joining the Friendship Family today. Your time is your most valuable commodity, and we are enormously grateful that you chose to share some of it with us. If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com, or our Facebook page. Both links can be found in the show notes below. Although we would greatly appreciate you leaving this podcast a rating or review, we would be eternally grateful if you would be willing to share it with someone else. We pray you have a God-filled day, and please remember, love God, love people, and reach the world.